Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Good evening. Good evening. I am like so excited to be with you tonight. How are you? How am I? I'm excited. I feel I love being with this group. Y'all are a lot of fun. Um, that was a deep, deep skit, huh? Did that make y'all think tonight? That was pretty deep. Um, we've been talking this weekend about the kingdom tapestry, and, and I've been encouraging you to collect the dots before you connect the dots and seeing how big God's picture of who God is and God's kingdom is. And I started with Friday night talking about this guy with this weird name named Terah, who God had called to go to. Anybody remember? Canaan. Canaan. But he stopped at this place called Haran, and he what? He settled there. But then he died after 205 years, and his son, Abram, who would then become Abraham, God gave him the exact same call and said to him, I want you to go to Canaan. Canaan. And on his way to Canaan, he stopped at this place called Bethel, built an altar to God. And then his grandson, many, many years later, would end up in that same place running away from his sin, his grandson named Jacob. And he would lay his head down and see that God was meeting him in that place. I've been encouraging us to look at the scriptures and these stories of people's lives to see how God works in big and amazing ways. And every time we've been together, I've been reading Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I'm going to do that again tonight. And here it is. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared for us and advanced for us to do. And I reminded you at first Friday night, I just told you that you are God's masterpiece. And then Saturday morning this morning, I reminded you that it's bigger than that. God wrote this to a people, not just a person. So not only are you God's masterpiece, but we are God's masterpiece. And I've asked you to think about how can God work with so many messed up people to make something beautiful? And we're going to talk about that a bit more tonight. My, my kids are all in the back and I love them. They are amazing. I'm going to make them a little bit um, frustrated with me tonight and embarrass them. Right there in the middle, sitting on the floor, is my daughter, Sophia. She's 14. Next to her is my son, Gabriel, who just turned nine a couple weeks ago. And then next to him is my daughter, Shiloh, who is 11. And then next to them is their amazing mom, Stephanie. Remember I told you that my wife's um, mother-in-law, my, my wife's mother, is French-Canadian. So my, my wife grew up speaking French. Somebody asked me earlier, what do you know in French? I know like three words. I know allons-y, allons-y, which means let's go, because I got to say it to my kids. Oh, do your parents ever say that to y'all? Yeah. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Right? My kids, though, one thing that they are so frustrated about our family is that we don't really give them a lot of soda. They don't get to drink a lot of soda. When they were younger, uh, when they were very young, five, six years old, and they would want to go to the store, and, and we'd go, and they'd be like, can we have, like, fruit punch? And I'd be like, sure. And what I would do is I would go get a cup of fruit punch, fill it up a third of the way, and then put water in it. 
right? And this is what I've been thinking about. I actually got this, and I asked my son. I said, son, I need to use this as an example tonight. Can you drink some of it? And my kids went off. They were like, how come he gets to drink soda? What about us? Does that sound familiar? Remember that story about Jacob, the younger brother? Yeah, I don't know what it is about the youngest kid. But I wanted to bring this to you and show you these two sodas. They're they're Mountain Dew, but they're a little bit different. Can anybody tell me what's different between these two bottles? I know it might be obvious. I'm going to get some hands back here. Yes. Uh, One's half empty. empty. Good observation. One's naked. You know, you can say it that way. Okay, that's a good one over here. One is watered down. How can you tell? The color. The color. Is that very obvious to everybody? That one, which one's watered down? The one on the right or the one on my left? Any other observations? Yeah, so this one is watered down. I want to show this to you because there's many times in the New Testament that the scriptures say this, that you will be filled with the fullness of God. So sometimes I think that's like a double. What does God mean when, when, when the scriptures say he wants us to be filled with the fullness of God? This container is filled up, but it's watered down. Though it's filled to the top, it doesn't have the full flavor of Mountain Dew with cherry in it, right? This one, the flavor is full, but the container is half full. What the scriptures tell us about what God has called us to, what God has created us for, is that we would be a container that is filled to the top with the fullness of all of who God is. I'm going to leave these up here tonight so you can see them, that you would know what God has created you for. It's not to be filled up with something that's watered down and all of God's promises you've been settled and stuck where you might be. God hasn't created you to only have half of what he's determined for you, though you've tasted and seen that God is good and God can only fit in this one small box. Maybe it's Sunday mornings, maybe it's youth group, but in all the other parts of my life, I don't experience God. God has created you to be filled with the fullness of God. So remember, we talked about Abraham. Anybody remember Abraham's son? Who was his son? Isaac. And then Isaac had twins. The oldest was named Esau, and he had this little brother that just kept, Jacob, that just kept messing with him, right? So I want to read the scripture. I want you to see, I'm going to give you some more dots, connecting the dots, some more dots of how God works in such big, big, big ways. I want to read tonight from Genesis, I mean Exodus, chapter 6, and I'm going to read and start with verse 2. It says, God also said to Moses, I am the Lord, watch this, y'all, here's some dots coming. I appear to Abraham, huh, to Isaac, huh, and to who else? Jacob, as God Almighty, but my name, but by my name, the Lord, I will not make myself fully known to them. I also establish my covenant with them to give them the land of where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, God says to Moses, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will make you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, 
who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Here's what's so crazy. God wasn't just working in Abraham's life just by chance or mistake. God from the beginning always had a purpose. And part of God's purpose was that he was preparing salvation for the people of Israel. And when these men, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, somehow said, God, I don't understand your whole picture, but I'm going to just take the dot that's in front of me, and I'm going to walk and see how you put all the pieces together, how you connect all the dots. And when they walked in faithfulness, God worked through them from generation to generation, and he was planning out salvation for the Israelites from being enslaved by the Egyptians. So he starts to Moses, who would be the one that would lead them out, and he says, Moses... I am God. I have revealed myself to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And now I'm revealing myself to you. And all the work they did was leading to this salvation. Salvation from slavery and toward a promised land. Here's what's so crazy. Where was Abraham called to go? Canaan. What was the promised land for the Israelites out of slavery? Canaan. God and his majesty and his kingdom was preparing a salvation and preparing a place of promise in the people's lives of Egypt. You know, when I was, um, again, your age, I went through some seasons of life where everything in this world just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I was, again, very involved in ministry, and I told you all that at about 16, I started preaching. I, I, don't, I would never preach those same sermons again. I've grown up a whole lot, right? But I started wanting to preach, and my first sermon was in the book of Joshua, and I didn't tell you that at 18, I said, you know what? There's too much pain in this world. Here's exactly what I said to myself. I, I would read the Psalms, and I would cry at night going to sleep with the Psalms because life just seemed so hard for me. And I remember saying to myself, God, I see and sing to you every single Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, where are you? I get bullied in school. I get hungry at home. My household, those images I saw sometimes reminded me of what my household was like. I see you on Sunday morning, but where are you throughout the week? You know what? Because I don't see you Monday through Saturday, forget trying to see you on Sunday. So from the age of 18 to 21, I left going to church. My sister invited me to, to go to a conference similar to the one that you're at. And I told my sister, I'm not going. I know what's going to be about, and I don't want it. I want a God who can impact my real life. And, and I did go. My sister's older than me. You got to listen to your older siblings once in a while, right? And I went to this conference, and it was all about Jesus. And I remember that Jesus and that conference changed my entire life and changed my life. And I realized I was forgiven for my sins. But not only that. This is how powerful God is. It wasn't like, George, now that you're forgiven for your sins, go live a comfortable life. It was, George, now that you've received my salvation, I want you to go back to people who are hurting like you were. Now that you've been healed, go back to people who hurt. Now that you've found light, go back to places of darkness. And my life has never been the same again. And the desire is to live a life that's filled with the fullness of God. Here's what I want to encourage you in tonight. God takes broken people and makes something beautiful. Do y'all know that? Sometimes we look at somebody like, man, you are a mess. I don't know if God can ever use you. Let me tell you, 
as a, a guy who was a youth pastor many years ago, and most of my kids who are youth pastors are now older, God has amazed me at how he's used broken lives. Don't ever count yourself out from what God can do. Don't ever count anyone else out from what God can do in people's lives. So what does God's handiwork look like? When we hear the word masterpiece, I think we see something that's a work of art that is no flaws, that is perfect. I actually want to talk about a kind of uh, image of art that I think God's masterpiece might reflect a little bit. It's actually a Japanese art that takes broken pieces and it brings these broken pieces and it fixes them with gold. It's called kintsugi. And it takes broken pieces and fixes them with gold. We're gonna put an image up there of an example of what it looks like. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? So this is what I'm learning. Guess whose life looks like that? This life right here. The cracks that you see in my brokenness and my sin, and those cracks you can see the God, the gold of God's grace that says, I have redeemed and forgiven you. That Jesus Christ has died for my sins. When, when people look at you and your faith in Jesus Christ is not that you're perfect, it's not even that you're good, but when they see your flaws and they see your cracks, may the grace of God shine through the brokenness of your life. This is what the masterpiece that God is creating looks like. You know, we've been reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that we are God's workmanship. I want to read a few verses right before that. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, it says this. We had before verse 4, it says, we were all living in sin. We were all living in death. And in verse 4, it says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So he saved us through his great mercy so that he may reveal his incomparable riches this is what I don't, I don't know about y'all, but I hope when people see my life, they see the incomparable riches of Jesus' life. If, if God can use George Hopkins, then God can use anybody. Maybe you've heard this good news that God, as he was preparing a salvation for the Israelites, he has prepared a salvation for you. And it's through his son, Jesus Christ, who came and lived a sinless life. And why did he have to live a sinless life? It's because of this. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, which means when we sin, the payment for any sin is death. Jesus lived a life that had no sin. So that meant that he couldn't pay the wages of death, but yet he was killed. And he was killed because his death would pay for our sin. He died for our sin. But the scriptures give us this good news. He was resurrected from the dead so that we would then have life. And maybe you've heard this and maybe you've given your hands and your trust and your faith to Jesus Christ. And you've said, Lord, I believe and receive your salvation. But if you haven't, maybe tonight is the night that you do. And maybe if you have, maybe you're like Terah who might find yourself stuck. Maybe you are like this bottle here, 
where you can do all the right things and you have the burdens of doing all the right things. You, you have all the right answers. You show up to everything on time. And you, everybody expects you to lead and it's all there. But for you, it feels not yet full and somehow watered down. Or maybe you're here where, again, I go and I feel I can experience the power of God. I go in this retreat. But when I go back, every other area of my life is about me and it's not about God. What if God is tonight calling you and saying, I have so much more. And I want you to live it to the fullest. This is the last thought I want to share with you. You know that God took people out of Israel. He gave them freedom from slavery. Like he has given us freedom from sin. But he doesn't just free us from something. He frees us to something. Can you imagine that God has a plan for you? Then when we think of all the dots of God's kingdom, of all that God is doing in this world, that he has a unique, specific part for you. Can you imagine that one of the greatest things in this world that we can do is to know our identity and who God is and to live it out? I want to end with this, thought, this story. There's a moment in Jesus' life that we know as the temptation of Jesus. And the Bible tells us this, that Jesus went to get baptized. And when he was baptized, it says he went under the water and it says that the heavens opened and God the Father spoke from heaven and said, this is my son with whom I am pleased. Now, now first, let me pause there. I'm going to say it again. The heavens opened and the heavenly father said, this Jesus is my son with whom I am pleased. Let me just pause there once again, because I think there's something important for you to know that I didn't learn until I became a dad. When my daughter, Sophia, who was 14, was born, when I held her, before she could obey me, before she could keep her room clean. Does that happen? Okay. Or not keep it clean. Before she could do the things that I wanted her to do, before she could disappoint me in doing things I didn't want her to do, before she could do all of that, when I held her as an infant, my heart rejoiced in her mere arrival. I loved her so much that before she could do anything for me, she had all of my love as my child. Jesus being baptized, the heavens opened, the heavenly father before Jesus started his ministry, looks at him before Jesus was killed on the cross, looks at Jesus and says, this is my son with whom I love. It is important for you to hear. You cannot earn God's love. Can you fathom that God loves you so much that when you just arrive as a broken, hot mess, when you just arrive and say, Lord, here I am, that the Lord rejoices in you before you could do anything for him. And this is why this is so important. The heavens open and the father reminds the world that this is my son in whom I love. It says the spirit leads Jesus into the, into the wilderness for 40 days. He's hungry. And it says that he is tempted by the devil. And when we hear this story, we often think that he's tempted because he's hungry. The Satan comes and he says, why don't you turn this stone into bread if you're hungry? And we often think that's the temptation. And I'm encouraging you with this because you're going to go home and you're going to say, I think the temptation might be that text message. Or I think the temptation might be that person who bothers me. Or I think the temptation might be this. But I want you to hear this. There's something that's a little bit deeper under the temptation. Y'all ready for this? Can I go a little bit deeper? Y'all ready for this? If you were to read these scriptures, maybe tonight if you wanted it with your leaders. The, temp the first temptation starts with these very words. 
if you are the son of God, then take that stone and make it bread. The real temptation to Jesus and the real temptation that you will face in life isn't your performance. The real temptation is, is what God said about you true. Does God really love you before you could do all the performing things? Go perform, go do, go sing, go lead, go act and put on a facade to earn his love. And you can strive and strive and strive. But the real temptation is that God has already declared his love for you by sending his son to die for you. Is God's word true? I don't know about y'all, but I say yes and amen. The temptation is, can God really love you and make something beautiful with a broken life? I just want you to encourage you in your conversations tonight in your small groups. Whether you've already received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if you haven't, that this might be the night that you do. If you have already, is there moments and places in life where God is calling you to live the fullness of life? And maybe you just need to be reminded of this. I'm tired of performing. I'm so exhausted that you would know that God delights in you before you could do anything for him. And he loves taking out broken pieces and making something beautiful. Will you tonight come to him with whatever you have to offer and allow him to make something beautiful? Lord Jesus, we thank you for paying that great cost for our salvation. We thank you that you didn't just die for us, but you were raised from the dead so that we could live for you. So Lord Jesus, tonight we trust that you are searching our own hearts and our minds and help us to begin to fathom the kingdom reality that you rejoice in us. As the scriptures tell us, when one sinner repents, the heavens rejoice. No more performing, no more faking it, no more fake images. Just as we are, here we are, Lord. We want to live the full fullness of life in you, Lord Jesus. My prayer, God, for every student in this room, that you have spoken something profoundly true about them. And Satan and this world would love for them to not believe it. Tonight, I pray for faith to believe the promises you have declared over their lives and that they would move toward being used by you in this great kingdom tapestry that you alone are building with broken, flawed people. You are connecting the dots and doing something beautiful and wonderful. Lord, may you continue that work in us tonight, we pray. Amen. 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 We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.